Well, hey, church, hopefully you're having a great weekend. Um, some Sundays, all right, we, uh, we come in here, we get to have fun, laugh, joke around with each other, and, uh, and learn more about God's Word. Uh, let me just say, today's not going to be one of those days, all right? The, the, I'm just saying, the message for the church that we're looking at today, um, not one of the most uplifting, you know, upbeat messages, but it's something that we all need to hear. And so, um, again, it, uh, just be ready, okay? Before we get into all that, uh, we got some family business to attend to. I want to uh, give you guys an update on what uh, our, our building project and everyone on three and, you know, every, all of that, what that's looking like. Um, if you haven't looked around recently, uh, our church is growing, okay, which is a good thing. That's what we're all about. We want to do whatever we possibly can to reach as many people as we possibly can for Jesus. And things are going really good. God is blessing us immensely. Um, we were able to help alleviate, we got space issues, if you haven't noticed that, especially during the school year when all the college kids are back and everything. Um, we got space issues here in our auditorium. We also got space, space issues within our children's ministry even more. And so um, we were able to alleviate some of that um, for, with, uh, with going to three services, which we were able to do, you know, just a, a few months ago. And so that has helped. Uh, but that's uh, only a temporary Band-Aid type thing to, uh, you know, to get us kind of down the road to when we can build more space. Um, once we, you know, I'm thinking about it, like once if we, you know, third service has about 100 people and let's say we have 200 more people that start coming during third service or on Sunday mornings in general, I mean, we're going to be packed out again. And really, there's not really many more steps to go. Um, we just need... We just need space. You can't just keep adding services. I mean, the Sunday morning will be packed full of services at that point, and so we'll have to figure something else out. But uh, 200 more people, that's not very, that's not very many. Uh, even from last year, I was looking at, okay, well, where are we at from last year in, on Sunday morning attendance compared to this year? And for the last six months, the first six months of last year compared to the first six months of this year, I mean, we've grown by 86 people. I mean, that's bigger than, than a lot of churches in our area, if that makes sense. And so, um, again, God is blessing us, but we have an issue that we as the church need to take care of when it comes to space. And so we've been talking about this for about a year now. Um, we, uh, let's say last, maybe November or something, we actually uh, went out and we hired uh, some church architects in Oklahoma that are like the premier church architects in the nation. They've done tons of big, you know, churches, well-known churches that people, um, that maybe you've heard of. But, um, but these guys are like the best of the best. And so we went to them. They came here. They've walked our property. They've measured stuff. They've, they've gotten all the stuff. And we, together with them, came up with like a master facility plan for our church here in Tiffin. And um, we actually were able to split this into phases. So uh, this is what it looks like. Um, overall, the bluish, grayish area, this is our current building right now. So as you can tell, it's going to get a lot bigger. Um, but this is what that's going to look like. And we need to get started on this really as soon as possible. A lot of these are going to be split into phases, which I'll go through in just a second. But, um, but the first thing that we want to build is our children's area, which we've been talking about for about a year and a half now. Uh, here at Grace, we value investing in the next generation, right? In churches, and I've said this many times, churches that don't invest in the next generation die. They die. All right, there's plenty of examples all around us that churches who have not done that. And so that's what we want to do. Uh, this first phase, this pink phase, 
Um, we, this includes a large indoor playground, okay, that we can use as a tool. That's simply what it is. We're not going, we, we, we never want to be a church that's like all about our building, like, oh, check out our, you know, this, like, married to the building. That's not us, okay? These are, all, this is all simply just tools for us to reach um, ch- children and family within our, uh, young families within our, um, within our community. So this playground is large. It's, it's big. It's impressive. Um, it's uh, it's going to be clean. That's what it's going to be safe. We have this big, safe, clean, impressive place that um, that we want people, you know, in our community to come use. And we'll have this open during the week. That's our plan. And so we know that the um, that the chances of getting somebody to come in throughout through the week, you know, getting somebody to walk in through our doors with their kids, they go play on the playground. It's free. That type of thing. We know that the chances skyrocket of them coming back to church on a Sunday morning if they've walked in through the doors and they kind of see the layout. Like it's just, it's just what it is, okay? And so that's the reason for this. We'll also be able to use this a little bit on Sunday mornings, which will also help. Um, we have, along with this playground, in the back there will be a large like party room type area. Uh, this will be where people can reserve that room to have their like little birthday parties and you know stuff like that and they can utilize the playground as well but they'll also be kind of separate which will be nice. Um, this is something that could be used all year round not just during the summer when it's nice out. This is indoors so it's all year round and uh, it's just going to be a really really cool thing. Along with this building we also were able to kind of manipulate it a little bit. We were able to add in a nursery uh, that uh, will replace our current nursery and, um, and so it'll be a lot bigger, it'll be a lot nicer, that will be the nursery that we'll have really in our master plan. And so, and so that's where the nursery will move, it'll be a lot closer to our current auditorium and a lot closer to our future auditorium. And then on top of that, we'll also have the plumbing in for our future, um, here our future cafe area, which will service this whole atrium space, this will all turn into kind of an atrium space. Um, that's where the cafe will go. But in the meantime, obviously, we don't want a cafe right here in this corner now. That makes no sense. So we'll be able to use it as a classroom, which we are so desperate for, especially for kids. So what we were planning on doing last year is when I presented this to you, in our everyone on three, is we were planning on doing this pink section and this section. Actually, can we zoom out real quick? Or... I don't know, maybe it's several sides away. Yeah, we were planning on doing these two sections together. Two buildings, one building primarily of classrooms for children, and the next, a large space area for children. That kind of, we decided not to do that just because the prices for this stuff has come in astronomically high. Prices have skyrocketed, we all know that, um, with inflation and everything. And so what we've decided to do is we're able to manipulate this pink building, we were able to add in a couple more classrooms, which will help us get by for a while, and um, we will get this building built, and then we will be ready to build the auditorium next. So we kind of, that'll help us get that done sooner, and then after that, we'll go back to this children's area. Um, The auditorium will be next, that's, or at least at this point, things change daily around here, so who knows, but... uh, but with the auditorium, which will go right out, really right on the other side of this wall over here, um, we'll have a front entrance that faces 224. There'll be an entrance that faces the back parking lot. And then there'll also be an entrance here. And so facing County Road 1, it'll be right where those sound panels are. And so this space will be kind of our, our lobby. 
Um, another phase that we come up, came up with was an office space. This is something that, honestly, we desperately need. Um, we only have two offices, and we have like four staff members, and we're trying to hire another one. So um, a lot of us do a bunch of work in classrooms with the kids' classrooms. So um, that's something that we're going to need. Eventually, that'll be an office wing off the front of the auditorium facing 224. And then um, we'll also add in this children's... Oh, I drew on that. My bad. <laughs> Didn't know that was on. Okay, we also um, will add in this classroom space off the front of our building, which will more than double our current classroom space for our children's area. And then another phase will be this orange phase, which will be a large room that we could do like receptions and, and big things in. But we'll also be able to break it up into four good-sized rooms for adult classroom space. It also comes along with a kitchen, which I know some of you ladies are super pumped about to finally have a kitchen here. And then lastly, the last thing will be the chapel, which that's an area that will seat about 200 people. And we'll be able to use that as a big classroom, but we'll also be able to use that for weddings and funerals instead of using our main auditorium, which will be a lot larger. This auditorium will see just over 800 people, and that's kind of what we're looking at. And so um, these phases can be done together. They can be split up. They're really, they could be done anything. We'll see what happens throughout the years. But uh, this building right here, we are looking at and saying this building could easily host a church of like 2,000. And so that's what we're looking for. We're always trying to look towards the future and towards growth and not bottleneck ourselves in. And so we can always add services and do the things that we're doing now to help grow that. And so that's our plan as of now. Um, we have been able, a lot, a lot of you guys have been extremely generous, and I just want to say thank you for that. Um, if you remember back in 2021, we launched a campaign called Growing With Grace, which we didn't really know what we were going to do. We were just like, we got to do something. Like, we got to prepare because we got buildings that we need to build space for people who aren't here yet. By the way, that's the reason why we're doing this, right? We all understand that? We're not, bu we're not building a playground for our kids, okay? They can use it, all right? But we're building this. We're building this stuff for the people who aren't here yet. That's the reason, okay? We're building these seats for people who will be sitting in there in those seats that aren't here yet. That's the whole reason. So um, I forget where I was going with that. But um, yeah, oh, here's the outside rendition. So it'll look like that. That'll be a main entrance facing 224. That's our playground area that we're planning on building first. This is the front children's area, which hasn't been built yet. That's kind of what it'll look like from the front. Another angle. Bird's eye view angle. We got all the angles here. This will be the, this door right out here, um, facing County Road 1. And so that's what this, that's from County Road 1. That's what, I wish we had all that grass, but we definitely don't. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of what everything's going to look like. So, oh yeah, uh, Growing With Grace. So we started that. We didn't know what it was going to be for. We just knew we had to do something. Uh, in 2021, we, we gave uh, roughly 184000 just to get us started, just to get us, give us a head start. Last year in February, we started our Everyone on Three campaign, which the whole idea is that every single person within our church, or if we call Grace our church home, if this is like one of your first times, don't worry about it. Um, 
But those of us who call Grace our church home, we want all of us to be somewhat invested and a part of this project that we're doing. We know a bunch of you guys, you are. You've totally, uh, you've totally done that and, uh, and, have, and have given us a commitment and, and have been giving towards that. And so I just want to say thank you for that. Um, last year, we were able to, we gave $583,000. It's about a quarter of what it's going to take to build this project. This project, this first project, which is right outside this back wall, will, it's going to cost around $2 million, okay? And so um, with the prices up and everything. And so that's what it's going to look like. Um, and so that's about a quarter of that. And then this year, for 2023, for Everyone on Three, we, we have given around 219000 So that puts us about halfway to paying for this building in cash, which is something that we want to do as a church to be financially responsible. We want to pay for this in cash. We know that someday we're probably going to have to finance uh, part of the auditorium because that will be so expensive. We'll always be chasing it as the price for construction goes up and we'll just never get it done unless we don't borrow some money to make that happen. And so, and so for us, we're going, we can build this with cash now and then we can build the auditorium sooner. And that's probably what's best for the growth, which is what we're all about here. And growth not by numbers, growth by we want to reach people for Jesus. That's what's best for that, we think, at this moment. And so... Um, and so, yeah, we've been working on stuff. Don't forget, last year, even with, with all that, we were able to pay for the parking lot right out front, which is a super helpful. doesn't attach to our building yet. It's weird. I get it. We all know. Um, but someday it will. When we build this, this addition, we, it will. And, um, and so we were able to do that in cash. That was $165,000. And, uh, yeah, expensive. Um, and so we were able to get that done and, uh, and just get that out of the way. Actually, that front parking lot is the only piece of square footage on our, on our property that's done of the master plan. So we got a long way to go, okay? All right? And it doesn't even connect yet. All right? It's, uh, it is what it is. But just want to thank you for your generosity. God is using our resources to reach the next generation. And for, don't forget that this generation of people, that's me and you, or sorry, this generation of Christians, we are responsible for this generation of people. And so we need to make space for families who aren't here yet. So let me just say this. If you consider Grace your church home, you need to be invested in this. All right? I'm not saying that because I'm the pastor and I'm, not, I'm invested in this too. Okay? I've, I, I give towards this too. See, many of us, we give a small portion of what God has given us back to God. And I get it. It's a sacrifice. A lot of us, we have been sacrificing for this. And uh, we need to keep going and get this thing taken care of. And, um, and it's not for us, okay? It's never for us. It's, uh, it's for the people who aren't here yet. So if that's you, all right, and you've been, you've been sacrificing for this, I just want to say thank you. We appreciate it. God's going to use it, okay? It's the, most, it's the best investment you could ever make. I'm just saying. Um, if you're sitting here and you call Grace Church Home and you just haven't really jumped in yet, like you've been like, ah, I don't know, you know, um, you need to be invested in this along with the rest of us, Okay? Um, and so it, it's good for us, like jump in if it's, you know, at least jump in a little. God's been building his church here in Tiffin. And we've had the privilege of being a part of that. And God's been building his church for 2,000 years, so it should be nothing new. And uh, we should have the privilege of playing a small role in that and sacrificing to make that happen so that future generations can hear the good news of what Jesus has done for us and Jesus has done for them. Just like, by the way, past generations have sacrificed so we could hear 
the good news of what Jesus has done. That's kind of what this series is about. It's kind of actually what we're going to be talking about here this morning. We've been talking about God's message to the seven churches, um, these seven particular churches within the first century. It's recorded for us in the book of Revelation, which is the last book in your Bible. And what God does is he pulls this guy named John. John was actually one of Jesus' disciples. We read about John a whole lot within the the Gospels, within those accounts of Jesus' life. But here in John's life, John's at the end of his life. He's like in his 90s. And at this point, John has been banished by the Roman government for basically the only reason is he wouldn't, stop, he wouldn't shut up talking about Jesus. And so John has been banished. He's been sent to this island called Patmos. He probably worked in marble mines at 90 years old while he's there. And at this point in history, John is the last remaining original church leader left. Everybody else, all the other 12 disciples, they've all been killed. Paul's been beheaded. They've all died. And Jesus goes... Kind of, he, he grabs John and he gives John seven messages to seven real churches in the area. Now, we looked at this last week. Um, this is where we are now. Like Tiffin, we got Fremont, Northwood. Those are our three campuses in northwestern Ohio. Let's go to where these churches are. Zoom out, Google Earth it, cross the Atlantic Ocean. Google's not super fast here. And um, here we are. Um, Near the Aegean Sea, this is modern-day Italy. We got Greece, you got Turkey, you got Israel over here, Uh, you got Egypt and Africa down here. Um, These churches are located in modern-day Turkey, okay? And so we can zoom in. We got all seven churches here. Patmos, uh, where the yellow is, that's where John is writing this from. As he's banished, that's where he's living in exile. And so what God does is God has a specific message for each church who are dealing with many of the same issues that we are dealing with today, which means that what God says here to these churches is extremely relevant for us, which means we can learn something from it. And so the first message was to this church in the city called Ephesus, and we talked about that last week. This second message will be this church about 35 miles north to the city, to the church in the city called Smyrna. Um, And... uh, and really, let's, let's just jump right in. Okay, this is what Jesus says. Remember, Jesus is talking to John. John's writing this stuff down. And then John's sending out this letter, first to Ephesus, then to Smyrna. He says, Jesus says, John, write to the angel of the church in Smyrna. Now, we talked about last week what this word angel means. This word angel, it literally means messenger. It's the Greek word angelos. And uh, it means messenger. And so in this context, what Jesus is probably referring to, is he's probably referring to the leader or the pastor of the church in Smyrna. So he's saying, hey, John, I want you to write to the pastor of the church in that city called Smyrna. Now, Smyrna was an extremely large city. There's about 250,000 people living within Smyrna, so way bigger here than Tiffin. Um, we have, you can see ruins of Smyrna during that time period. Still today, the Roman arches and, and uh, everything. And then today, the city is still there, unlike Ephesus. And the city is in modern-day Izmir. That's the name of the city in Turkey. And that's what it looks like today. And so today, there's roughly around 3 million people living there. So it's a very large city. Originally, this city was founded by Alexander the Great. It was in 250 
or, or sorry, that's not right, 290 B.C., and, uh, and they had everything there. I mean, this city had it going on. They had gymnasiums and libraries and stadiums. They had the largest theater within the whole province, a theater that sat over 20,000 people. They had huge temples. In fact, the city was known for the temples. They had a temple to Zeus and Aphrodite and Apollo and a bunch of others. In fact, the city was known around the world for being an extremely beautiful city. Not only for their architecture and their massive buildings and their massive temples that everybody from the world would come check, t- check out and take a look at, but also for their natural beauty. The city sat right on the Aegean Sea, all right, on a bay there, and, and there was this Mount Pegasus, this like large, this really small mountain, large hill, kind of in the middle of the city that the city was wrapped around. And on top of that hill was a castle that was built by Alexander the Great himself. And so because of this beauty of this city, in fact, a lot of ancient Ancient people um, wrote that this city was like the perfect city in the world. Like it was, it looked perfect, it was rich, everything was great, it had really nice roads. I mean, it was maybe one of the most beautiful cities ever built, even to this day, Smyrna. And everybody back then knew it. Because of how beautiful it was, Rome actually came in and they built this huge temple to the emperor with all the other temples. And all these temples sat on this road that curved around this, huge, curved around this mountain. And it was also, the road had a name that was known all over the, all over the world at that point called the Street of Gold. Right? They called, the, the mountain called, was called like the Crown of Smyrna. And so it was, had this idea, people would say, it was, like a, it was almost like a necklace that someone would wear with like a bunch of jewels. As you had this road wrapping around this mountain, you had all these temples, these huge, magnificent buildings that were all scattered around, all lined up around those roads. And, uh, and everybody knew about it. I mean, this place was a happening place and it was extremely influential. And the city around this church was obsessed with wealth, power, Rome, their fake gods, and religion. And it was not an easy place to be a Christian. And so God says, thus says the first and the last. The one who is dead, he's talking about himself, and the one who came to life. He's introducing himself here. He says, I know your affliction and your property. Here, he starts off. Remember, we talked about this word no last week. Remember this? Kind of. Eh, what? You know, so, yeah, you guys are. All right. This word no. All right. It's not like I read about you and so, and so I know. Or, hey, someone told me that this is what's going on and so I know. No, no, no. This is a lot more of a personal word in the original language. This is like, like I know. It's more like I've seen you. I see what's going on. I know, he says, your affliction and your poverty. And we read that and we're like, what? Affliction? Poverty? Like, what? what's going on with this church? All right, what's their deal? Last week with Ephesus, it started off so good. Remember that? Where God's like, hey, I've seen your good works. I've seen your good stuff. You guys are doing a great job. And that's what we like as Christians. We're like, yay, go church in Ephesus. You guys are awesome. Good for you. And think about it. In this scenario, you got the letter was sent from Patmos to to Ephesus, most likely. And then Ephesus read it on a Sunday morning, just like what we're doing here. They would have made a copy of it so that they could have one to keep. This is the book of Revelation or the letter of Revelation. And then they would have taken the next, then that letter, the original, would go to Smyrna next. Again, just 35 miles Away. And so Smyrna Church, they're probably sitting there on a Sunday morning just like this, and they pull it out, and the, the messenger, the angel, the pastor guy, he's just like, hey, uh, 
check the mailbox today. We just got a message from God, you know, pretty intense. And so they're probably all like, dude, this is about to be sweet. And they're reading it in order. I think it's probably safe to say. I don't know. Maybe they skipped ahead and said, what did they say about Smyrna? No. But th- so they probably read Ephesus' message first. And they see how encouraging it is, at least at the beginning. God sees all their good stuff. And things are going really good. But the beginning of the message to Smyrna, we don't see any of that. The way this message starts off is God's just like, man, you're struggling. Man, you have some trouble going on. God's just like, man, you are poor. You guys are suffering. See, the church in Smyrna was struggling, not from some huge scandal, not from some big sin problem that they were struggling with. They weren't struggling uh, with the inside like the church in Ephesus we looked at was. No, they are struggling from oppression from the outside. In fact, this word poverty right here, that word, it means, it's like the idea of, of extreme poverty coupled with recent poverty. You get what I'm saying? So these people, especially living within this city, were probably very well off to do. They probably had a ton of money. And recently, simply because they are a Christian, what this is suggesting is that they've completely lost everything. They are now in extreme poverty, and it's something that just happened all at once, just recently. And some of these people, I mean, this, by the way, this is like broke, broke, okay? We don't understand what broke, broke is. Our broke is like, oh, we can't go on a sweet vacation this year. Oh, man, you got to wait. You know, like that, that's what we think of like poverty is. No, this is like broke, broke, man. All right, these people got nothing. Some of these people have lost everything. They've lost their livelihoods, their jobs, their homes, their reputation, their stuff. Some of these people are just like scraping by just, just to survive. And Jesus begins this message, not by pumping them up, going, rah, 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 hey, it's great. You know, you guys are doing so awesome. No, no, no. You know how he starts off this message? By telling them he knows. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you're going through hard times, it's just comforting to know that somebody knows. You know what I'm talking about? We felt that before. So many times for us, life is hard and we got health issues and work stuff and I don't know, maybe even a death in the family or a friend or whoever it might be. You know, it's like what many of us tend to do when bad things happen in our life is we take our eyes off of our Savior and we put them on our circumstances around us. And, and then we start questioning God because of it because we're like, oh, man, look at all this bad stuff. And then we're like, God, what's going on? Hey, God, do you see what's going on? Hey, God, are you there? Hey, God, do you even care? And maybe even some of you guys feel that this morning. Because you got something going on in your life that is not good. Like it's just not. And you got issues. And there's problems. You don't know what you're going to do. And you feel like just, I don't know, like life is just out of your control. And you got this area in your life that is just like you just can't seem to put together the right way. And I just want to let you know, just like God to the, to the church in Smyrna 2,000 years ago, God to the church in Tiffin, God to you is saying, I know. I see it. I know what you're going through. Just like he knew what was going on in this church, what was going on in their personal lives. He says, but you, like I know your affliction. I see your poverty, but you are rich. Now, my guess is that this church in Smyrna didn't feel very rich at this point. 
Like, I don't think they're thinking, they're, they're feeling that richness. But here's God. He's saying, hey, man, you have lost your stuff, but you are rich where it matters the most. And that's spiritually. What he's doing here, and this is Jesus, by the way, so this is a pretty big deal. What Jesus is doing is he's reminding them, like he's reminding us, that he's saying, hey, whatever we're going through, whatever problem we may have, we need to put that problem that's going on in our life in perspective. And the correct perspective is we are evil. Okay, got bad news for you. I told you this was not going to be an uplifting message today. You're evil. All right, we all agree? Yeah, yeah, okay, that's you. All right, turn to someone next to you. I can't believe I have to do this. Turn to someone next to you and just say, you're evil. Just do it right now. Okay, it's true. They ain't lying. All right. They may not be as evil as you, but they're evil, okay. We're evil, man. We are messed up, okay? None of us are perfect. We got issues. We constantly rebel against God. In fact, the Bible says that we deserve hell for eternity. By the way, eternity is a very long time. That's not a place that you want to go. And for some reason, like, I don't even understand it. Like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand how, why the reason. I don't understand the theology behind it. Like, I get that God loves us, but I just don't understand why. For some reason, God came down. He cares about us so much that he came down to the dirt and he died for us voluntarily, taking our rightful punishment that we rightfully deserve on himself just so we can have a relationship with him forever. That's some pretty good news, All right? That's the perspective that we need to keep in mind. By the way, some of you guys, you've never accepted that. And some of you guys, you're not even sure if you believe that. By the way, it doesn't matter what you believe, okay? It's, it's what happened. Like it's, it's true, All right? But some of you guys, you need to go home and you need to take five minutes away from God or away from everything else. Spend that time with God. And you need to work that out with him. You need to accept him into your life. And accept what he did for you. That it's not about your good stuff and all. Do, hopefully your good stuff outweighs your bad. It's about what he did for you 2,000 years ago when he died on that cross. Okay. That's what we are to keep our eyes focused on. That's reality. That, by the way, is the greatest news in all of history. And so many of us, we get so hung up on the dumb little things in life that we forget how rich we actually are. These people have nothing at least when it comes to stuff. Honestly, that's one of my biggest worries for the church here in Tiffin, that, that I don't know, that we become so rich in stuff but broke spiritually. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with stuff. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with money or being wealthy. There's not, okay? The problem is when collecting stuff and pursuing comfort becomes the top priority in our life. And if we're completely honest with ourselves this morning, we just took a step back and like really dig in. I don't even think we have to dig very deep in our life to be honest, you know, honestly. I think you realize that you totally do that. At least that's what I realized this week. Like most of the time, like think about it, like most of the, the decisions we make, maybe all of the decisions we make, revolve around our comfort. Not God's mission for us. It's all about our comfort and our ease in our life. And God's saying, no, 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 your focus needs to be on, your focus needs to be on me. And your mission, your job that I have for you, which we all know what that is. 
to do whatever we possibly can to reach as many people as we possibly can for Jesus. That's what we are here for, to do. But we don't do that. We are focused on our comfort. That's why we don't talk to people about Jesus. That's why we don't give. That's why we, there's like nothing that we sacrifice to God. I mean, let's say the only thing that we sacrifice to God is like an hour of our time on Sunday mornings. Man, that's not the church. That's not how a Christian is supposed to be. I mean, this church right here, Smyrna, I mean, this church, man, they have it down, man, and they are suffering for it. He says, I know the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but those people, man, they're of the synagogues of Satan. See, what's happening at this point in history is Jesus' followers all over the Roman Empire, which, like, owned the world at that point, they are getting slaughtered. Okay, just slaughtered. I mean, you think your life is bad? Like, you think you got some bad things going on in your life and things aren't that good? And I'm just saying, these people had it bad. And the fact that the Roman government for decades had been rounding Christians up, had been beating Christians to death. They used Christians to die in arenas uh, against gladiators for, for sport. They, they watched as Christians were torn apart by wild animals um, in arenas. They cut off pieces of, of Christians' bodies. They actually would take these hot plates and put them in, like, in like a fire. And then they would take them, they would brand these Christians, and, and they would die. They'd have them sit on like molten, you know, hot chairs and metal chairs and stuff like that. They boiled Christians alive. They burned them alive as they mocked them. They nailed them to crosses. And I'm not just saying like, like just men. Like if you, you know, were like, I'm going off to some foreign country and you get like killed for your faith in some gruesome way, like you're some dude. I'm just saying like, like if you're a guy, like for me, I'm like, hey man, I'm sorry that happened to you, but like way to go out like a man. You know what I mean? Like, at least you went out the right way. These are women and children. I'd have a lot harder of a time to think that way within some of these people within this church. I mean, this was happening all over the Roman Empire, so I think it's safe to say that some of these people are probably have, have experienced some of this. I mean, they were watching their kids get filleted alive in front of a crowd cheering them on. I mean, they're watching this stuff. They're just horrible, terrible stuff. Like, can you as a parent imagine? Kids getting boiled alive. Oh, just terrible, terrible stuff. And you know why they did that? The real overarching reason of why they took it that far is so that you could know. See, that's what the Roman government didn't like. These Christians wouldn't shut up about Jesus. And the only reason why they wouldn't shut up about Jesus, knowing the consequences that was to come because of, because of what they were saying was so that we here today, 20,000 years, not 20, 2,000 years later, could know. It's a pretty big deal. See, in Smyrna particularly, they're all about emperor worship. Actually, each year, everyone had to burn incense on Caesar's altar in his sweet temple, okay? And, uh, and so people would go, and you would worship Caesar just once a year, and you would, you know, declare him as a god, and they would issue you a certificate. And uh, if you didn't have that certificate, then you couldn't buy anything, you couldn't sell anything, you're actually shunned from society, and you were, you were, it really carried the death penalty. And see, Rome, here's the deal, they didn't have a problem with multiple gods, they had no issue with religion. In fact, they loved a diversified portfolio of gods. This is what they were all about. And so in their minds, the Romans, they're like, sure, add Jesus to the mix. We're all about Jesus. Sounds like a new God. Bring him on. We're all about Jesus. Um, but they're saying you could be all about Jesus and you can worship Jesus. Just don't say he's the only way. 
and worship Jesus or worship Caesar once a year. See, that was a problem for these Christians. And honestly, usually the Jewish people would have the same issue. But on this particular case, they had some sweet deal with Rome where they said, hey, you know, we can't hail you, Caesar, as, as a god, but we can, we'll, you know, we'll pledge our allegiance to you and we're all about you. And so they had some sweet deal with Rome. And so not only are the Romans um, after these Christians, but the Jews are after them as well. These people who say they worship God but have actually rejected Jesus as their Messiah. That's, by the way, why Jesus um, calls them a synagogue of Satan. He's like, these people who think they're doing God a big favor by wiping out these Christians, he's like, they're, they're actually a pawn of Satan. And so here Jesus recognizes what these people are going through and he cares. And what we'd expect is some uplifting message of like, hey, you guys are doing great. All right, I know what you guys are going through. I'm sorry you have to go through that. I'm going to take care of it. But instead, he says, don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. And you know, these people, they're like, about to suffer? What are you talking about, Jesus? About to suffer. What is, hey, reread that. You know, is that, did it say about to suffer or what you already suffered? They're like, man, we are suffering. He's saying, he's, they're like, what? And even today, we read this and we're like, whoa, God is suffering? That doesn't make any sense in our comfortable little lives. We're like, we're just like, you know, God can't allow suffering. How could he be good if he allows suffering? See, somewhere down the road, I don't know where this happened. I don't know why this happened. But somewhere down the road, we bought into the idea that God somehow owes us a pain-free life. See, suffering exists because of sin, which, by the way, is our fault. God doesn't owe us nothing. I mean, I talk to people and they're like, well, God, you know, I'm like, find that in the Bible. It ain't there. God doesn't owe us anything. And so here's Jesus. He's saying, man, look, bad stuff is coming your way. You're going to feel like life is out of control. You're going to be put in situations that you don't want to be in. You are going to suffer. You're going to suffer financially, you're going to suffer relationally, you're going to suffer physically. By the way, notice that he doesn't say, all right, do not be afraid, it ain't going to be that bad. It's not what he says. He says, it's going to be bad. You don't have to be afraid. See, Jesus promises suffering. We don't like that. In fact, most of us, I think we spend our lives running after comfort and ease, right? That's what we do, right? Um, we, it's like more comfort, less pain. More comfort, less pain. That's what we, so what all of our decisions kind of filter through. And sure, we have problems, but if you think about it, in all honesty, compared to the rest of the world, like, we live very comfortable lives. <laughs> we don't think about the fact that more Christians were persecuted last year than ever before in the history of, in the history of the world, right? There's 360 millions right now living in countries and areas of the world that have a high persecution rate against Christians. These, these countries oppress Christians, all different ethnicities, right? Some actually estimate that there's over 100,000 Christians were murdered this past year simply because they were Christian. So we've had it pretty easy for a long time. I mean, think about it. What's our worst persecution that we suffer through? We tell someone about Jesus and it's awkward and we're like... Uh, they look at us weird. Like, that's it? <laughs> you know, like, sometimes I wonder if the church of Smyrna, like this church, if they knew. Like, it would be so embarrassing when they get to heaven and be like, oh, yeah, I went through some persecution. They looked at me. Like, that's it? <laughs> you know, these people are getting killed. They're watching their kids get killed. I mean, they're going through terrible, terrible thing. That all might be changing here. Um, I don't know if you've been catching up. It seems like nobody knows this, and I don't, I don't know why that is. Um, there's some stuff happening in Ohio right now that really affects all of us. 
Um, in November, in Ohio, there's going to be, uh, on the ballot, there's going to be a constitutional amendment up for vote. This constitutional amendment is written by the ACLU, and, um, and if passed, right, it's going to award new, let's, they call them rights, right, embedded into the state constitution. And so there's a bunch of things, right, this is constitution things, there's nothing that, that the governor or legislative branch can, to, can do, this is the constitution, they're changing it. Um, some of these things, and I don't know where you end up on the spectrum. I hate getting into politics. This shouldn't even be a political thing. This is a moral issue. That's the only reason why I'm talking about it. We could talk about politics and taxes, and I got issues on I got, I got my opinions on that, but that's not biblical, okay? Um, but, um, but there's some moral issues in here, okay? Some of the things that this amendment will allow is abortion on demand, all right, with no age restrictions, no parent notification, nothing, anything like that. Um, sex change surgery for minors, no parent notification for any of that. Like, they, they threw everything they possibly could into this, into this um, amendment, and, um, and, and the, you know, they're trying to get everything. Not only that, but you can't talk against or you can't counsel people to not get a sex change or to not get an abortion, which, by the way, Obviously, is, uh, that's going to affect our church, right? That's going to affect me because the Bible talks about some of this stuff, and I have to talk about it. And so it will literally be against the constitution of the state of Ohio for me to talk about that stuff. And unfortunately, again, these are political issues that shouldn't be political. I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat or Independent or whatever, okay? Um, this is an issue that we as Christians need to take up because it's a moral issue. We as a church should be on the front line speaking out about life. And if passed, there's nothing that the government can do about it. And many people, in fact, people who are against this, everybody says it's going to pass, um, unfortunately. So here's what's going on in August 8th. August 8th, there's a special election. And it's a vote to increase the percent of votes to change the Ohio Constitution from 50% plus one, which is what it is right now, which is extremely weak, and hardly any states have that across the country, to 60%, which is very normal, okay? In fact, the federal government, like, to make an amendment is even higher than that. And so um, for us as Christians, like, Roe versus Wade was struck down, and, and I believe that's a good thing. But now it comes up to the states, which means it's on us when it comes to our state. And if the church doesn't show up, dude, it's on us. I'm just saying every person in our church should be voting yes in August, no in November. Okay? It's just, it's the moral thing. It's, you know, it's just a big, big deal. Persecution is coming. That's what we have in our future. But for these people, it's happening now for them. Jesus says, look, the devil is, is, going, is about to throw some of you into prison to test you. He says, and you will experience affliction for 10 days, but be faithful. And these people, as they're reading this on a Sunday morning, they're probably going, I am faithful, man. I just, you know, this person just died and, and I lost everything. I don't even, I lost my, all my finance. I lost my, I lost my business. He's saying, be faithful. And they're like, I am faithful. And then Jesus says, to the point of death. Oh. That's a lot more faithful. That's a different level of faithful. And he says, and I will give you the crown of life. He says, let anyone who has ears to hear, 
listen to what the Spirit has to say to the churches. The one who conquers will never be harmed by the second death. It's interesting because as they read this on that Sunday morning 2,000 years ago, there's probably a kid sitting there wherever they met. They didn't have church buildings back then. And this kid was probably in his, this kid was in his 20s. And he's probably there. And um, he was going to be the future pastor of that church in Smyrna. His name was Polycarp. Weird name, okay? But um, a few decades later, Polycarp is an old man. He's in his 90s. He's at the end of his life. And he gets arrested in Smyrna for being a Christian. And what, happens, what happened was they took him to a stadium there where it's just filled with people. And everybody hated, everybody were hating on Christians. And, and all he had to do was say, Caesar is Lord. He didn't have a certificate. They're like, that's illegal. That's death penalty. Bring him in. And they said, hey, we'll give you a second chance. We will allow you to live, Polycarp, if you just announce to us and tell us that Caesar is Lord, meaning Caesar is God. If you do that, you live. You don't even have to mean it. And Polycarp stood there and he said, I can't do it. Even the guys that were arresting him, the soldiers, they were telling him, they were like, save yourself. They said, what harm is there in saying Caesar is Lord? Like, again, you don't have to mean it. Your God will forgive you. Just say it. And this is what Polycarp said. He said, 86 years, this is what he addressed the crowd of, of thousands, 10,000 probably even. He says, 86 years I've served him, meaning God, and he's never done me wrong. And when he says this, the story goes that the crowd just rushed in after him. It happened so fast. They took him, they threw him on a, on a fire, and they burned him at the stake. And in fact, he didn't die fast enough, so they, somebody took a dagger, and they went and they stabbed him, and, and he died. And what's crazy about it, as I think through this, is you got the roar of the crowd that listened, that, that were there, that were shouting and, and, and taunting and mocking this old man who's dying because he simply won't say that Caesar is God. And the next word that Polycarp hears, the next words are well done. That should be what we are after. And we don't have to go through anything like what they've gone through. See, these people expected to suffer, and they did. But they were rich for it. Jesus is saying. See, we're not like the church in Smyrna because we're poor. We aren't. The poorest person in here. We're not even close. We're not like the church in Smyrna because we've suffered to their level. We haven't. We're like the church in Smyrna in that we should expect persecution, which we really don't experience that much here where we're at. And we should be committing ourselves to stay committed to Jesus no matter what, to serve him because he's never done us any wrong. And someday, when we die and the race comes to an end, our goal is to hear, well done. And Jesus is saying, there's a crown waiting for you when that day comes. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these words. This is stuff that's just complicated and it's hard. And it's not anything that anybody in this room wants to hear. Not as a Christian. Suffering is coming. But God, we ask that we would stand up. And we would live for you. Just like the people in the past stood up and lived for you. Just so we could know. God, help us to be that dedicated to you. 
And we thank you for giving us these examples for us to look, look to. It's how to live life the way that you've called us to live. Lord, we thank you for that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We will see you guys back here.